Hi, I'm Alex Escobar, and welcome to Screw the Stock Market, where we'll explore the world of alternative investments outside of the stock market so we can change our lives, take control of our future, and find those coveted low-risk, high-reward opportunities for building wealth. Let's do it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Screw the Stock Market, where we discuss ways to invest our money outside of the traditional stock market investing game plan. And it's all done with the goal of taking control of our lives and our finances and our futures. And so today we're talking to a very interesting guest named Mark Yegi. And it's interesting because he's actually a stock market insider and his main strategy for building wealth is within the stock market. And so Despite that, I think that we had a really great chemistry and a very similar alignment in terms of outlook. And I don't know, how would you describe it? There was something that we were still on the same page for some reason. It just felt right. Well, I think it felt right because we spent half the time bashing the stock market and the financial systems that control it (laughs) before getting into the roots of how he makes money and how you can make money. But a good chunk of it was just us hating on financial institutions in general. Let's be honest. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Yeah, we did spend a lot of time hating and it's always fun to hate and bash and, and just kind of, especially like the system and the man and, and all that stuff. Even better when you have a hedge fund manager telling you how it really works on the inside and reaffirming all of our biases. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like, I think this might be the episode, ironically, with a stock market insider this is the episode we've spent the most time actually talking about the stock market and why it stinks. Most of the time, I don't feel like we've spent a lot of time exploring that or really trying to express like what it is about the stock market that makes me in particular not trust it. But it we haven't shared, we haven't shared the manifesto yet until now. <laughs> yeah. We don't really have one, right? We just, for me, it's just this distrust, right? It's just, and again, I've said it before. It's not about the actual stock market the actual stock market it's about like the game plan that you have for your life yeah but i mean it was cool it was just a good episode i hope you guys like it yeah is there anything else you want to say before we jump into it well we'll also we're doing more than just bashing the market and financial institutions and the global financial system and financial oppression that it is we also talk about how you can actually use the market and use different stock strategies to make passive income which is what Mark actually goes into detail and what he teaches himself on a regular basis. So it's actually interesting. It's basically how to utilize call options to just make consistent passive income without having to worry about actual market changes and upheavals. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And that's interesting too. I, I didn't actually think about it. Like, I think it was today or was it yesterday when the market tanked? This whole month? Yeah, it's been, I guess, a, a bad few weeks. So would that system, would that model work in a declining market? I mean, he always talked about, well, I guess you made your money, right? You, If the stock didn't, I guess we're getting ahead of ourselves because our listeners haven't heard the model, but I yeah. just kind of answered it for myself. I think we're okay. Yeah, yeah it, would work in, it would work in any scenario. You're basically making money off of people who are gambling against the market or gambling in the market in general. Yeah. You know, that did actually resonate with me when he was talking about it because it felt like what Michael, the crypto episode that we had, he was also talking about ways to kind of game the system so that instead of you being subject to the ups and downs, you're the house. Yeah. And no matter what happens, you're okay. Exactly. And that's what Mark was talking about today. 
So that's pretty interesting. That's pretty interesting stuff. The house always wins. He, I mean, the comparisons to Las Vegas are scary as hell, right? Because true <laughs> gambling. And that's not, there's something that feels wrong about that. There's something that feels like, Hey, this investment should create some value somewhere. Yeah. But if you can game the system and just make sure that you're on top and that you're winning, why not? So yeah. without further ado, Enjoy the show, everyone. Hope you get a lot from it. And feel free to reach out to Mark if you have any further questions. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited I, to have I, you. I'm so excited to be here. I love I love your show. I love the format of your show. And you guys have some really cool energy. So let's have some fun. <laughs> awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm trying to maintain it. I think I'm getting energy from your background. <laughs> Definitely somewhere I want to be right now. <laughs> that is an aspirational background. I, yeah. Is that a, where is that, by the way? That's actually in Fort Lauderdale. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. For those of you who are listening, uh, the background is like a oh. beautiful penthouse overlooking kind of like a, almost like a bay view with yachts and things in the background. It's nice. Yep. Yep. It's cool. Well, we're thankful to have you and, and your background. But yeah, thank you for the reminder that this is a podcast. It's audio. So we're recording, but we're all, most people are getting this through audio. So Mark, um, you know, just if you wouldn't mind taking a few minutes to introduce yourself, maybe you can talk about the personal, tell us about who you are, where you came from, and then we'll jump into the technical stuff afterwards. But please. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'll just start when I was 12 years old. Okay. So everybody get, get a glass of scotch or coffee or something. Cause we're going to be here for a while. No, I'll keep it fast. I was 12 years old and I started investing in the stock market. And, uh, and I know this is a screw your, screw the stock market kind of podcast. I put uh, lawnmower money in there, 300 bucks and uh, it doubled about a hundred shares of a stock called Aileen. It doubled. And I bought a hundred shares of a stock called, I don't remember. It might have even been 50 shares of a stock called. U.S. Air, which was right when U.S. Air came public. It used to be called Allegheny Airlines. And and it went from 17 to 35. So I was hooked on the stock market. And the biggest problem with that is like, I don't know if you guys play golf, but if you grab a driver and you hit the ball down the middle, all of a sudden you think you're Tiger Woods. And then your whole life is cursed because then you're like always chasing after that drive. And so for 45 years, I've been chasing after those doubles every single time you don't get them. But I invested all through all through grade school, all through high school. I taught my stockbroker how to do what I do today, which is basically a modified covered call strategy. I invested through college and I had a broker dealer on Wall Street and sold that to a big Wall Street company back in 2005, 2006, somewhere in there. So see how fast we're going? Like I'm already very cool. fast. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, and now I run three hedge funds and I help people learn about how to invest their money in the stock market if they don't want me to do it for them. Okay. Very interesting. And so you, you mentioned before the call that you weren't sure if we'd want you on the show, given the title, right? I did. I and, did. And I'll say that I've, well, not always, but I'll say frequently on the show is that I'm the first to recognize that there's people who've made fortunes on the stock market who are doing much better than me. So I do want to kind of start with that. But there's been parts of me who just kind of feel like it's a game that is not designed for me to win. And I will say this, as much as actually Alex has converted me into kind of shifting my investing a little bit towards other alternatives, because I started off going heavy into stocks myself. Sure. But I still say it's a little bit of judgment for that, for not starting off in real estate and entrepreneurial ventures like Alex. <laughs> so you guys have some issues you need to work on. <laughs> but you know what? I'm kind of in the middle. So listen, my dad taught me the stock market when I was a kid and he had made some money, but he didn't make much money because he had some limiting beliefs on it. Like you never go broke taking a profit. Like if you've ever heard that saying, 
it's really wrong because you never get rich taking a profit. You get rich by allowing your profits to continue to grow and compound. And I can tell you, I'm a victim of this, right? I bought Tesla when it was $24 and I sold it when it was $35. And I was like, woo, I'm a genius. And then it went to a hundred. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then I bought it at a hundred and went to 120 and I sold it. I was like, oh, I made 20%. And then it went to a thousand, right? So you, you don't always nail it, but there are ways to do it. And if you listen to the conventional wisdom, that's where you can go wrong, Alex, specifically for you, right? Because I've got real estate and real estate's just too slow for me, right? Like I can click a mouse and get into a stock and out of a stock within 10 minutes. I can't get into real estate and get out of real estate in 10 months, it seems like. So it's, it's, and I, my dad was a real estate guy. I mean, he developed all these apartments and multifamily. He did all the stuff that you guys talk on your show and cash out refi and passive income and all that stuff. And, and he also cursed me with the disease that I can't drive by a building without wanting to fix it up. So now I have all these problems that I'm like, Oh, that would be a cool thing. I, in fact, I live in a 104-year-old schoolhouse in North Carolina. It's this 12,000-square-foot place with nine classrooms, and I'm fixing them up because I just I couldn't get away from that thing that my dad planted in me early is fixing up real estate. But it so, has never really served me very well. I've never made money on my real estate, but I've made a lot of money in the market. So, Alex, you should give him the address to some of your buildings. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> if you can swing a hammer, we got some work for you. Uh, I could do all that, but I got plenty of projects here, but. Well, very cool. So tell us, you mentioned the name of what you do and it went like this. I didn't fully understand it. So maybe that might be a good place to start. Well, let me start actually, because I like to use an analogy that is real estate because most people have an easier time understanding a real estate analogy than understanding a stock market analogy. And the difference is one's tangible, one's intangible, right? We walk into a house that's real estate. You don't walk into a stock. You just a piece of paper that. It isn't even a piece of paper. It's like on some computer screen somewhere, right? So here's what I do in a nutshell. And give me a couple minutes to set this up because I find that people understand this. Let's say you look out your front window. Listeners, if you're looking out your front window and you see a lot across the street and it's for sale and it's, let's call it an acre lot. And there's a sign that says for sale, $100,000. And you're like, oh, wow, Jim's got his property on the market for $100,000. Wonder why he wants to sell. And so you're like, okay, cool. And then a guy driving down the street named Bob, let's call him, Bob heard a rumor that right next to Jim's house in your neighborhood, there's going to be a Hilton put up. So he thinks that Jim's lot's going to go from a value of 100,000 to a value of, let's call it a million dollars, right? Problem is Bob is driving an old beat up a Pinto and he doesn't have the money to, he doesn't have the $100,000 to give Jim to buy his property. So he goes to Jim and he goes, hey, listen, I'll give you $10,000. That's all I got on me right now. I'll give you $10,000. All you got to do is take your property off the market for six months and agree to sell it to me anytime in the six months for the $100,000 you're asking. If not, you can keep the hundred grand or you can keep the $10,000 that I just gave you and I'll walk away. And Jim Jim goes, hang on a second. You're going to give me $10,000, which I get to keep. And then if I sell the property, it's to you for the same amount of money I'm asking anyway. And Bob goes, exactly. He goes, great. I'll take that deal. They shake hands. They write up a contract. And now you have what's called an option agreement. So two things can happen. The first thing is Bob was right. His rumor was right. Hilton announces in the paper the next day they're building this gigantic resort. And that property goes to a million dollars. So he took his $10,000 option. 
and he turned it into a million dollars. Huge reward, small risk, but it was a big risk because I'll show you in a second. The other thing that could happen is, as we all know, rumors usually don't pan out and information is not perfect and they're not going to build a hotel there. That was just a, a rumor that he heard. And so Bob loses his entire $10,000. Jim gets the, so a lot of risk there. He lost his whole investment, right? But he didn't put up the whole hundred thousand. He only lost $10,000. So who would you rather be in this situation? Would you rather be Bob with the chance that the rumor's correct? And if it is, you make a ton of money, fine. Or would you rather be Jim? The guy's like, I still own the lot. I still got the $10,000. Now, instead of owning it at a hundred thousand, I own it at 90,000. Let me see if there's another Bob out there and you get another 10 grand, right? So that's essentially, did that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So you can do the same thing with stocks. So if you've got shares of Tesla and we're big in Tesla right now, but let's say you've got some shares in Tesla. There are gamblers out there like that guy, Bob driving down the street that are willing to pay you a bunch of money for the opportunity to buy your stock at a predetermined price and for a predetermined time. Now we don't go out six months. We go out like a week or maybe a month. And so we find gamblers out there because there's two kinds of people in Las Vegas, right? Not that the stock market is Las Vegas, but it kind of is. Kind of becoming. <laughs> it kind of is. There's the house and the house makes a little bit of money every time. Like they know that if you sit there long enough, you may not make you. You're, they only make a one or 2% edge, but they're going to take your money eventually. And then there's the gambler and the gambler is willing people to do this. I'm going to Las Vegas, but I'm only willing to lose $500. What always happens? They always lose $500, right? And they usually lose a little bit more, right? So that's the thing is the gambler mentality is like, I'm going to swing for the fences. I'm going to hit a home run. And if I get it over the fence, great. But if I strike out, oh, well. But we'd rather have the mentality of being the house where we find the gambler that's willing to give up the money that pays us to rent our stocks. And we'd rather just hit singles like Bob did. He just got that $10,000 for six months. He'll get another $10,000 for six months. Difference is we just do it weekly. So that's what we do in the stock market. You could take a, take shares of Tesla, find a gambler out there that's willing to pay you to buy it. And I'll give you an example. Maybe this will help. Okay. So let's say Tesla's trading at, well, it's crazy right now, but it's 700 bucks. Okay. And so it's trading at 700 bucks. There's somebody that for the next week is willing to give me $20 to buy that stock from me at $700. So what is he hoping? He's hoping it it has to go to at least 720 for him to break even because he's already given me 20 bucks. So he's hoping it goes to 740 and then his $20 turns into $40. So he doubles his money. I, on the other hand, make $20 on his seven on, on on his investment that expires in a week. So I get to keep that $20. And if I do that for 50 weeks, that's a thousand dollars, right? So that's, that's what we do. And that's with a 700 stock, a stock that's worth 700. You made money off of it. That's right. And at the end, you, you might still own it. That's right. If it doesn't close over $700, I keep that entire amount of money that he paid me. If it goes down, what I've done is I've created income so this is the alternative investment part of this. I've created income and I've also played a little defense. I've lowered my basis in the stock from 700 now down to 680. And I can do it again the next week to 660 and the week after that to 640. And eventually I get a free stock. So that's the holy grail is that you could keep collecting income. Even in this market where things are going down, we call it in our group, we it's really renting stocks, but we call it collecting the juice. It sounds more fun to 
to squeeze the juice, right? So that's what we do. And just to clarify for the listeners, yeah, you didn't get in terms of how the stock is free. It's basically you're collecting that income off of renting the stock until you get the money that you paid for the stock initially back in your pocket. Uh, and then everything after that is just straight profit. You nailed it. That's 100% true. Yep. Yeah. Now, there is a catch, though. You have to own at least about 100 shares of the stock. Yep. So it's not cheap. Well, there's ways around it, first of all. But yeah, you have to own 100 shares of stock. And so that's $70,000 on Tesla, right? 700 times you have to own 100 shares because one contract is 100 shares worth, right? So you can own the seven. But there's also ways to replace the stock and I could get really wonky, but we don't need to. You can replace the stock with something that we call a synthetic. And that means you can invest less money and still have the same type of control of that stock. And so we- That sounds we, interesting, would <laughs> Really? It's a little wonky. So so you basically buy an in-the-money call. I don't want to get to, because people get blown, their brains get blown in this. You basically buy an in-the-money call. So maybe a- Maybe you buy a call, a call option, which is worth, instead of being worth 700, you buy the one that's worth 300. So it's already got $400 worth of intrinsic value. Okay. So you're going to spend, instead of spending $700, you're only going to have to spend $300 plus a little bit of time premium. So you can spend way less, but still control the stock. And we have a whole system that teaches you exactly how to do this. And this is what I notice, guys, is that is Wall Street does this. Warren Buffett does this. Like this is how Warren Buffett takes some of his assets and he makes money on them. And Wall Street just doesn't tell us about them because it's got a little bit of wonkiness. It's a little complicated. Plus all there, Wall Street is in the business of two things, gathering assets and not getting sued. So being a former Wall Street guy, I saw this whole charade being played where it was like, sell people into all these stocks, gather their assets, we'll make money trading their assets. And then all you got to do is put them into mediocre to crappy investments. And then as long as they're mediocre enough, we won't get sued because how are we, how are they going to win a lawsuit if they go to court and they go, well, your honor, the S and P 500 did 9% and we made 9.1 and your honor goes, well, you did okay. I mean, sounds like you did about what the average is and they throw the case out. And so they're going to put you in these diversified 500 different stocks and a bunch of different bonds and some gold and a bunch of ETFs. And you're going to be diversified. I mean, the word diverse, diversified, I should say, all over the place. And at the end of the day, you've got this crappy, muddy portfolio that they're making one, one and a half, two percent a year on you on. And they're not they're not getting sued. So Wall Street's run by lawyers and salespeople. And I've got lawyers in my family and I got salespeople in my family. I love them all. But I'm just telling you, I'm telling you what happens on the other side. And nobody ever disagrees with me that listens to this podcast is from Wall Street. So I know it's true. And I saw it to be true when I was on Wall Street. Ironically, we're both lawyers and salespeople. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Which is which? Well, that's interesting. So, okay. But I'm interested in that perspective of kind of what is happening behind the scenes in Wall Street. Because like I said, I've always had this sense and I'm not an insider. I don't, I can't, I haven't been able to like express my distrust, but I think you're getting at what it is. And really, cause when I called the show, screw the wall, the screw the stock market, it was really partly marketing, right? It's like, Hey, let's make a name that kind of polarizing a little bit controversial. <laughs> but really, I think what I've been getting at is more of this, like, what's the path in life that we're going to follow? If it's this like hoping and praying that there's enough in our 401k by the time we're old and gray and feeble, that's one path. <laughs> But let's look at some other paths that might 
actually get us there with greater certainty and maybe faster, right? And yeah. so that's really what the show's about. And if, I mean, what you're doing sounds really interesting because it sounds pretty low risk. It sounds pretty, you're able to make your cash work for you. And so it's very resonant. And so when we read about you, we said, hey, let's have him on. I'm, I'm really interested in hearing what you had to say. And so thank you so much for coming on. I just wanted to get to that point again about kind of that distrust. And so yep. these mediocre funds where they'll put our money, how would you recommend for us as a normal kind of middle class working person? How should we engage? I mean, obviously we can do what you're doing. You can teach us to do what you're doing. But where do you draw the line between what the Wall Street wants us to do and what you're doing and kind of what we should be doing as people in the stock market? I guess that's the question. Yeah, I want to give you the two second answer, but I'm going to have to give you the 30, 30 second answer or it's Take probably going to be a little longer. And, and it all goes back, Alex, to the fact that we're not trained in financial education, right? I know more about Romeo and Juliet than I know more about, than about buying a house, right? I know more about the Pythagorean theorem than I know about doing my taxes. I know more about Queen Cleopatra and King Tut that were buried 3,000 years ago and Henry VIII than I know about investing in the stock market. And I think that's a real shame because I don't know about you guys, but I use money every day. I don't use Romeo and Juliet every day. I don't use the Pythagorean theorem on tax day. And so I think it's a real shame. And that's where all my basis comes from, right? I'm, I don't need to teach people about finances anymore. Like I'm good, but I think that the world needs people to teach people about finances and, it, and they need to know that they have the power. I have this saying, never give up your power in your health, your wealth or your time. And because of that, I believe that we should take control of our, of our finances. So Ronald Reagan used to say, trust, but verify. So know enough about your finances to be able to go to your broker if you want to have a broker and just make sure that you know what they're doing. But I didn't wake up this morning and I know you guys didn't wake up this morning going, oh, I can't wait to be really average today. And that's what your broker, God bless him. And I believe salespeople have a role in this world, but they're not trained in portfolios. They're not trained in the markets. And so what they're trained to do is put you in these diversified things with 500 different stocks. And some are awesome in there in the S&P 500 and some are out of business and most of them are in the middle kind of just plodding along. But the fact of the matter is, at the end of the day, you just muddy up your returns. But you know what? Warren Buffett doesn't wake up in the morning going, huh, I'm just going to go to the beach. And like he reads four hours a day and then he goes really deep into one company when he invests. He doesn't look for mutual funds. He doesn't like, huh, I wonder what Morningstar says about this mutual fund or that mutual fund. Like he goes really deep. So I believe in diversifying among asset classes. I believe everybody should have some real estate. You should have a cash flowing stock market liquid portfolio. You should have a little bit of tech assets. For me, it's Bitcoin. Maybe a little bit of gold or silver or frankincense or myrrh or whatever other stuff, right? You should have a diversified portfolio, but within a category, really concentrate so you know what you're doing. If you're going to be in real estate, you should have a, an excellent multifamily portfolio, but not a portfolio of multifamily, a strip mall, some storage and some convenience stores, because then you're not an expert in any of them. You're just like hoping that because you're in real estate, you're going to do fine and you might. But boy, if you're going to be really good, be good at strip malls, right? Mm -hmm. Then you know how to evaluate strip malls. Like if I, if you don't, but you don't know how to evaluate really well multifamily apartments and how to rehab class A's and 
class B's, turn them into class A's, things like that. So let me just, I'll just go from the top of my head. I don't have a list or anything, but I can tell you, and we know this now, I've been preaching this for years, but Wall Street and the banks will tell you, just bring us your money, put it in a savings, we'll give in a CD, we'll give you 0.8% return. And you get 0.8% return. They lend your money out nine times into the fractional reserves currency system. So they take your $100,000, they invest, they lend out $900,000. What do they get for it? Well, either they sell the loan, which is most of what most of them do, but they sell it to somebody or they keep it and they're making four or 5% on it. So they're taking it, making nine times and then four times on top of it, they're making 36 times what you're making. Well, that doesn't seem very fair. Doesn't seem fair to my dad and your folks that worked really hard all their lives and they were hoping that they could maybe make a million dollars and put it in the market in the bonds, something really safe. Bonds safe. You can't even hear, you can't even say that anymore. And you get this safe return of 8%. And my dad could have lived on $80,000 a year. See, my, my dad would have said the jokes on them. His money is under his mattress. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's some yeah, truth no to that. in any of the financial organizations. <laughs> well, well, right. But fast forward to today where the stated rate, if you even believe the government is eight and a half percent return. And they're giving you 0.8% return in a CD. So you're guaranteed to lose. This is supposed to be the safest money you can have, a certificate of deposit where you get back your money. The problem is next year, you can only buy 92% of what you could buy this year. So you're losing money to buying power. I actually believe inflation is more like 20% because nothing I have is going up 8%. All the stuff I see is up 20, 25% cars, food, energy, everything's up crazy. Yeah. So, right. I'm talking about the inflation calculations are just way off base from what the official numbers are showing. Well, you know what they do. And that, even that's manipulated. It to- totally. What they do. They used to have a basket of goods in 1980 and that basket of goods yeah. was supposed to say the same. And the basket of goods had a steak in it. You know what they do with the steak? They get rid of the steak and they put hamburger and say, well, people, hamburgers like steak because it's beef, but it's like a third of the price or a fourth of the price. So now they don't have to give you the real number. And then, yeah. by the way, most of the time they give you the inflation number without food and energy. I don't know about you guys, but I eat every day and I drive every day. I use yeah. food and energy every day. Yeah, I was just reading an article about it not so long ago about how they changed the calculation numbers. It's not. So they could seem more palatable. Absolutely. And you know what? They just changed it again. Nobody's talking about it. And you know what they did it on? The calculation for new cars. What is the biggest component do you think of that basket of goods, it's new cars. And so new cars have gone up like crazy. So have used cars. And now if they've recalculated and done some stuff with the new cars, when new cars come down, it's going to show that inflation is, in quotes, coming down. Oh, if that's a bigger component. Yeah. So it's we don't even know about half the stuff that our government is telling us, or even the stockbrokers and Wall Street. Stuff. It's There's all these institutions that are out there telling us stuff that just ain't true. So we've got to take control of what we do. And look, God bless a lot of people. They're trying to help. But I think at the end of the day, I think they're subject to what their knowledge is, what their environment is, what their propaganda is, and they don't know any better. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you really hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think we start the show every day, every week, every time we do it, we start with this show is about taking control of our finances and our lives and our future. And And I think that's a really resonant point because at the end of the day, like you might be talking about your strategy. The next guest might be talking about a a completely different strategy. 
But at the end of the day, what really matters is education. And so that we or the individual, whoever the listener is, can take control for themselves. They yes. can follow you. They can follow anyone. And there's always gurus. There's always information out there. But at the end of the day, when we take control and we take our own responsibility for our futures, that's really where we are become empowered to to design our lives and to design our, Absolutely. our finances. And, I love it. And what and, we're after, I think we're all after the same thing. And I think probably everyone listening is after the same thing. Financial freedom, right? But I watched my dad, God rest his soul now, he died a couple of years ago, but I loved my dad. But my dad worked really hard all of his life. He was an entrepreneur. He was a real estate guy, a stock guy. He had his own business. He had all the stuff going on. And then when he retired, he sat and just watched TV and withered away. And, you know, a lot of people, what they do is they shoot for that 65 or that 67-year-old number, but then their hips creak and they their knees don't work as well. And all the dreams that, that they had all their lives are gone because they spent their really good lo- the good part of their life working instead of being able to enjoy their life as they were working. I think you guys know, and you preach this on your show, the cre- the secret is creating passive income. Income that comes to you when you're working or when you're not working or when you're sleeping or when you're playing. That's the goal. It's one thing to buy real estate that's a vacant piece of land that doesn't make you anything. It's another one to buy an apartment complex that brings you in 15% cash on cash every year or a stock program that makes you 1% to 2% a week or 2 to 4% a month. Or Bitcoin could be something for a lot of people that I think because of what we're doing with the dollar, because of what other countries are doing with their currencies, uh, this is the first kind of money that is actually not controlled by any guy, right? Any old white guy or any white woman or not that the color matters, but at the end of the day, everybody's throwing colors around these days. It's not controlled by any colors. It's controlled by this decentralized group of nodules. So, and these nodes verify things and make sure that that currency is stable. Jerome Powell doesn't care if it's stable. He's just like, I think I'm going to print some more money because we need to send 40 billion to Ukraine tomorrow. Like there, there's no accountability. So, all right. Sorry. I got off on that. No, no, that's great. That's great. <laughs> and it's, it's actually interesting. Like as we talk about the concept of freedom and Whatnot. A lot of people say that going down this path, trying to learn the content and try to figure out how to make more money, how to be more financially savvy, it's a lot of effort, and a lot of work for some people. They rather just do their nine to five and just get their paychecks and sure. retire. But the problem is I was talking to someone and they were telling me they're fine. They're getting a 4% pay increase next year. So things, they make six figures. So things will be great. I was like, well, you're getting 4% next year. Inflate that doesn't even cover inflation. That's way below inflation rates. So Are you actually losing money? People don't get that. Yeah. And I think that's part of the game. It's like, we'll make everybody think that their houses are going up and they'll be thrilled. We'll make everybody think that the stock market is going up and we'll be thrilled. But they'll get a 4% increase at their job and they're going to get hit 20% increase on their expenses. But you know what? If they have assets, they're going to go up. And that's what's driving the wedge between the rich and the poor in all societies, right? Is that people that have assets get richer because those assets go up in value, if you believe that the dollar is the value. And the poor people that don't have assets, they have to spend all the rest of their money on things that they need to live. So it's really a travesty. So that was my one thing that Alex had asked about what does Wall Street tell us? And that's invest your money. And CDs, put money into safe things like bonds. Bonds, if you're lucky if you got 4% over the last few years, how much bonds have gone down in the last eight months? 30%. 
So while you were making 44%, you just lost 30. Like, that's not safe money. That's supposed to be like your safe part of your portfolio. So the Fed's printing of all this money has forced everyone to take risk. And now those risks are starting to bubble and explode and pop. Yeah, I have a friend who their financial advisor has all their money into bonds and CDs and they've their value has continually gone down. But yeah, they're paying their financial advisor about $200 a month every month. Yeah, on schedule. They make money no matter if it, what happens, right? <laughs> it's on auto payment. They don't even think about it anymore. Like the light bill. Yeah. Oh my God. Tony Robbins did a study. He wrote a book called Money Mastered the Game a few years ago. And in, in the book, I can't remember what page it's on. I should know this. 242, I want to say, but it's 3.41% every year is what you pay to, to have your money managed, whether it's through the firm, because they charge you a wrap fee of one, one and a quarter percent. And then the mutual funds that they're in all have to get paid. They got big buildings and salaries and cars. And so they all have to get paid and they have these hidden fees, 12B1 fees, advertising fees, loads, mid loads, back end loads, all kinds of loads. And it's 3.41%. That's whether you make, that's off the top. Whether you make money or not, they get 3.41%. So it's just, it, the whole game is amazing. And I have nothing against the fact that people are trying to invest and people should invest, but just know what you're investing, understand what you're doing. So, so we've thoroughly trashed the stock market and <laughs> financial <system. Yeah. laughs> Who else can we trash? Yeah, yeah. But let's go back to how it actually can work for you. So in terms of like the covered calls and that aspect, are there any other strategies beyond that can help people kind of create passive income? Or is that the main kind of driver in terms of using the market to your advantage? Well, I mean, I could answer that question for a long time. I have a podcast, by the way, called the Wealth Architect Podcast, where we kind of jump into all these subjects in depth. So starting with structuring your financial life, I think that's where it starts. So like I mentioned before, everybody should have some, if you, when you can afford it. So I have a, no, I'm all over the place right now. So I have this thing called the earnings allocation formula, but then I have the cycle of money. So the cycle of money, we all understand what it is. It's learn. We learn, right? The more we learn college and grad school and law school, which one of you, I'm not sure yet has gone to. It's the best strategy I've seen in four decades on Wall Street that I've ever been involved in, but it's more than covered calls. It's a system around them, what to do when the market's going up or your stock's going down or it's going sideways, how to size your positions, things like that. I believe everybody, if you can, you should have a cash cow. So in a lot of cases, people have their regular job that brings them their money, but they also could invest in in a business, maybe own a pizzeria or invest in somebody else's business so that they have a cash cow that brings them in some income. And then the tech assets that I mentioned, Bitcoin, and then other things like that. So structuring the portfolio is incredibly important. And as a quick plug, we do have an episode about purchasing a business. Awesome. Yeah, you should. Yeah, it's great. This is cool. I mean, first of all, it's reassuring because... You've been around, you've done a lot of things and what you're talking about are things that have, that we've started to cover on the show. And we've, we're just, I'll be very frank. We're early in, in all this stuff. I just quit my job a few months ago and congratulations. We're feeling our way around. And yeah. even as a show, we haven't positioned ourselves as experts. We've positioned this as, Hey, we're on a journey. Come yep. with us. We're figuring this out too. And we're after, figuring it out. Yeah, yeah. But it's really reassuring to, to hear that your formula covers a lot of the things that we've talked about and explored. 
and we, we're going to start doing too. So, and so that's really cool. I, I love the idea of the cash cow. I love the idea of obviously the real estate with the dividends and I'm going to learn more about your program. So tell us if I'm a listener and I want to learn more, obviously you already mentioned your podcast, but what else is there for us to learn more about your strategy? Sure. Okay. Great question. So in fact, right before the call, I went and set up a page that should be live as soon as this call gets aired, if you give me enough time, sure. but it's go.destinycreation.com. My website is Destiny Creation, but if you put the word go in front of it, you get right there. Go.destinycreation.com forward slash screw. How's that? <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> and if you go there, we'll have the show. We'll have some notes on it. We'll have you, we'll have a, a white paper and actually an ebook I did called regular paychecks. It's basically how to get regular paychecks out of the stock market. So I'm happy to give your listeners that just to just get an email from them. And that's the bribe that I do is I give you that. And then, so I run three hedge funds. I run one hedge fund, which is closed. That's a, an aggressive fund. The other one I do is the one that does the strategy we talked about. I call that program, the cash flow machine. And so we basically, it's because you put money in and it's supposed to spit out money. That's the idea. And that's why we call it the cash flow machine. But not everybody's an accredited investor. Not everybody qualifies. Not everybody's a rich person, right? I feel like it's like my calling to help people understand that there are other ways to make money than the typical buy a portfolio of stocks and mutual funds and bonds and everything is going to be perfect. You, if you take control of your life, I feel like it's my goal to teach you that. So I have a program called the cash flow machine. I have a mastermind group around it. I have courses. So I have courses if you don't even qualify for the mastermind group, but I'll tell you the mastermind thing, it's taken off and here's, it's a full ecosystem because you, I'll use another golf analogy. If you want to go play golf, you can go get a book from the store or on Amazon and say, okay, how do I play golf? How do I hold the club and all that? But that's not going to make you a really great golfer. But if you go to the club and you start getting a mentor and a coach and he starts watching every shot, no, change it this way. Do that. Let me show you this. Try you're going to have some better luck. And if you practice it a lot more, you're going to have even more luck. Then if you play with a group of people all the time that support you and say, oh, no, let's go compete or let me help you tweak this, you're going to get that. So we start with courses and we have three courses under the cash flow machine name. We have the fast launch course, which teaches you the basic method. Then we have the elite course, which is really our premier course. And then we have something called the platinum. But again, we've had a lot of people take the course by themselves, but they're not that a lot of some people don't do anything with it. Like you need somebody to say, hold you accountable and have you do something with it. So this mastermind group has the courses in it. It has the private access group, which those are the actual trades that I do in my hedge fund. So you can see what I'm doing, learn from them, match them, do whatever you want, ignore them. Then we have a chat group where we all kick around ideas. Hey, what are you investing in? Why are you doing it that way? This kind of thing. And then we have these things because I simply had a computer all day, guys, and I look at numbers, right? It's not exciting, but I get to do it from around the world. So that part's exciting. But the part that's not exciting is just the computer crunching the numbers and all that. But on Fridays at two o'clock, I get together with my peeps. Like we get to hang out online on a call like this, on a Zoom call. We share our screens. We do our trades. We recommend what we're doing. 
We squeeze the juice together. We talk about how we're going to collect how much juice this Tesla trade will do for next week or how much Apple's paying. And it really supports you as you grow through the process because it holds you accountable because you're not going to learn covered calls from free YouTube videos. Although I can send you a zillion of them. You're just going to figure out what other people are doing. Anything you do in life, you have to have a system around it. And the reason the system, I'll just take another 10 seconds to talk about it is because emotions are the enemy of the investor. As you guys probably know, your least, you're probably your worst and you're not your worst decisions in your life were probably made when you were really emotional. So when emotions go up, intelligence goes down and vice versa. So you've got to get emotions out of your decisions because if you're watching CNBC and you're watching Kramer tell you what to buy, can guarantee you're losing money. Cause if you're listening to that stuff, it's making you emotional. Like there's an indicator called the CNBC market ter- market in turmoil indicator. Have you guys ever heard of this? No. When the markets are crashing, like they were last week and they are a little bit this week, we had the 1200 point decline in the market. CNBC decides to preempt Shark Tank, which is their number one show, and they put on this thing with red banners all over, markets in turmoil, dun, 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 and they get your attention and everybody's just glued to it. You got these experts, right? Kramer and all these other people going, I don't know, what should we do? We should sell everything. And you make decisions based on a totally amped up emotional status, and it's the worst thing you can do. It's a 100% indicator that we're about to get a bounce every time they put that show on. And it happens during these kinds of markets. 100%. 100%. Wow. Notice I'm a CNBC junkie, so I've definitely noticed that. Shut it off, dude. Shut it off. It's killing you. <laughs> well, Mark, do you have any last words of wisdom for us or for the, for our audience? We really have enjoyed this so much, man. Well, I can tell you that, I don't know, you're putting me on the spot here. Wisdom. <laughs> I, that may, that would suppose that I have any wisdom. Okay. How but, about uh, that? Do you have any words for our audience? Words. There you go. I got lots of words. I would say this is start to start, uh, start small, start to take control of your life. Figure out what you want, right? Don't let other people tell you what they think you should be doing. You have to decide what you want. So a few years ago, what I did, and by the way, I'm, I'll just tell you a story. Back in 2008, I got caught like everybody else in that bubble. And I had a stock called FSLR, First Solar, right? And solar was going to be the next big thing. And I I don't remember. I think the I think I'd put in a hundred grand and it went up to 300,000. And before I could say boo, because the market, you know, markets in turmoil was on CNBC, it, I lost it all. Like I lost $300,000. It went all the way up and it, it went all the way back down. So I'm not perfect. I'm a human. I, I try to have rules, but that was the pivotal moment for me where I said, never again am I going to get my butt kicked by stupid decisions and not having a method of how to do things. So learn. Even if it's just a little bit every day, learn a little bit about money, learn a little bit about the things that are out there. It's not that hard a game. It's only hard because they want you to think it's hard because they want to put a barrier between you and why they're making money, which is fine, but it isn't that hard. It takes a couple of books. It takes a couple of videos. It takes just an investment of time. Skip one Game of Thrones episode and study your, you study your money. It's going to change your life, but it all starts from guys. It starts from. The end. If you remember Stephen Covey, he wrote that book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He always says, begin with the end in mind. What is you, what do you want? What do you want your life to look like? At what age do you want it to be 65, 70 years old sitting in front of a TV going through the channels? 
Or do you want to be 50 years old scaling a mountain, going to Kilimanjaro or going kite surfing or something like that because you're still in shape and you still got lots of great years in front of you and you travel the world. I get to work from all over the world. I'm going to Turkey and Greece next week. That's my lifestyle. Maybe that's not your vision and that's cool, but decide what your vision is. Don't go through your life day by day and then all of a sudden you're 65 years old and you look back and you go, wow, I sure wish I'd have taken a couple of chances or I sure wish I had thought about what I wanted my life to be way back when I was 30, 40, 50, 50, 60 even. Start with the end in mind, create that vision for yourself and then step right into it and take over that life and live the life of your dreams because you deserve it. Very powerful. Yeah. And also I will say that a comment about getting in shape and climbing Kilimanjaro kind of resonates because I attempted to do that and I learned I am not in shape. Wow. I had to tell my friends part way to just leave me and just give me a stick to fend off the baboons. Oh no. Are you going to try it again? I'll think about it. (laughs) Come on, we'll do it. (laughs) You know what? You guys should make each other accountable to do that together. Hell yeah. Come on, man. A year. Let's do it next year. All right, done. Let's do it. It's on video. You got to do it. But that that was a week. That was not an <laughs> affirmation. All right. All right. We'll do it. I mean, you, you know, if, you have a, if you have somebody holding you accountable, you will get so much more done in your life than if you don't. <laughs> so having a buddy or somebody like that, forcing you on video to do it, maybe it'll make you do it as easy. Go. We got a witness right here. <laughs> Say yes to these. Uh, where we end. All right. That's an enthusiast. We'll take it. There we go. Mark, we're going to check in with you a year from now. We'll send you a selfie up there. Unless uh, you want to join, you're invited. I might. All right. I need you to carry me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We can work that out. Mark, thank you so much, man. This has been really fun. We're going to keep in touch with you. You're just awesome. Just very much in line with what we're trying to do, man. So thank you. Really. A lot of fun. Hey, thanks for what you guys do. I think this getting your message out and what we're talking about is helping people. And that's the beauty of podcasting is we can craft our message. And people can listen to us when they're driving and it doesn't have to be so hard, right? Just listen and learn. Just take control of your life. But you guys are awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bless you, man. Take care. I'm going to hit.